Welcome to the On3 Podcast, where we talk about the mission of Grace Church and the moment we're in. Hey everyone, uh, this season on our podcast we're talking through uh, the reason why we want to stand in difficult intersections of life with young adults. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Marshall, uh, and we're here back again uh, with Michael Phillips as well as Pastor David Black, uh, and we're kind of talking a little bit more in detail of the need of young adults. So last time we talked definitely more about, no, not last time we talked more about the need for young adults um, and who they are and kind of defined that class of individuals. And now we kind of want to get to the good news, right? Like what we're doing to engage that need, um, how that need has been met in your life, specifically Michael, um, and kind of going off of that and just hearing the good news behind that. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for being on again. Yeah, it's great. Excited to be here. Woo. I love it. Um, so yeah, last time we kind of left off uh, a little bit of a cliffhanger because I felt like you you said you started getting a little emotional at the end there, talking a little bit more about the uh, experiences that you've had as a young adult. So where we left off before, yep. uh, kind of the part that I think I unexpectedly started to get a little emotional around was we, we specifically were talking about the need and the five things that young adults really need most or are lacking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment, I realized the gospel has provided for me in my life all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a primary one I could say in recent years uh, would be we see in Psalms 68.6 that the Lord puts the lonely in families. Um, or another translation would say the solitary in homes. Yeah. I might be mixing that up a bit, but I think for me as an individual, and even looking at those who are maybe more established young adults uh, in the, the higher age bracket, it's that, that many of them don't have families. Many of them are, are in solitude. Yeah. Um, and so to backtrack into my story would be that I came from a broken home. There was infidelity. My dad was deployed. I was, uh, my extended family was very involved in whatever my needs were, but yeah. they weren't necessarily around. And I went into college with this real uh, lack in both familial involvement, uh, familial support, familial care, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't have told you the time frame that I had went without the like affection of someone that I trusted or yeah. uh, sitting at a table with kids and family or even knowing safety. Um, it was just many years of isolation, many years of um, after having been abandoned, really having to wrestle with um, finding community, yeah, finding healthy relationships, um, and all of the the small things that you that you don't think that you need on a regular basis if you've just had them. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, like, you're not going into college going, oh man, I need all these things. No. What yeah. me- what was your me- like? You're going to college. And you're, what's your mentality? My mentality is what the heck am I doing with my life? 
I don't believe in God, and if God's real, he's not good. Mm. Um, and that, you know, I don't know, just desperately seeking to fill a void. But there were a lot of voids. So I'm just going to go leave go college where I was, mm-hmm. aim at something. And anything's better than where I'm coming from. Okay. Yeah. And then if you had a good news, how would you, like, you know, we talk about everybody having the gospel. Maybe maybe someone's yeah. not familiar with that term, but we all believe something will make our life better, mm-hmm. right? We all have a reason for why something's broken. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, what would you have said is broken, like, in your atheistic worldview? Like, Oh, gosh. <laughs> Honestly, 100%, I would have said me. Okay. Huh. All right. I would have said me. I mean, moving, <clears throat> moving away, or I would have said... Everyone else. I would have said everyone else and me, but People. humanity across humanity. the board. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I would have said everything me. was broken. Everything everything was broken. Not you wouldn't say it's sin. I would have just rewritten the song that is in the Legos, whatever that everyone sings. Like everything is broken. Right. That's what okay. I would have <laughs> the given. Opposite you. Of that one. Yeah, the, gotcha. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I would have definitely said me though. I in August before like the week before I had moved up, I had been hospitalized and was told I had a lung condition and Hmm. Uh, so I went into college also with this kind of like YOLO mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was definitely known my freshman year as the guy who, if you said jump, I would have said like I could do twice that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was just kind of gotcha. risking everything because yeah. I thought there was no hope for me on the other side of death because mm-hmm. God wasn't real. And then just the, the permanence of life mm-hmm. felt very real. Yeah. And so I was just really thinking like, well, you only live once and but that only living once was given like a three-year time frame mm. and so it was like a very clear like i just went to college doing anything i wanted to do because so much of my adolescence i think had been robbed for me so i reacted in a way that was just having the time of my life um right so maybe good news for you is like i'm alive today do what i can with what i can while i can yeah okay and then what began to change that what began to change that was I did everything I wanted to do with my life only to find that it provided me with death <laughs> or mm. just feeling more and more like death. So a year later into my sophomore year, I would have had a pretty solid job and was living in an apartment by myself at the time and was super inebriated and super depressed and was like, God, if you're real, uh, I, I need to know. Was that the first time you talked with the Lord, to the Lord, at the Lord? I think there had been moments of real, like, fear and desperation my freshman year um, where maybe I just wanted life to end. So, like, some some form of, of, like, desperate prayers. But that was one that was definitely, like, I I can define it. Mm -hmm. Or I could Mm -hmm. see it. I remember that day very... Very particularly, I had just gotten back from Disney World the week before, happiest place on earth, yeah. but I was the most unhappy person on the planet. <clears throat> and uh, I was I was bitter at all times. And <laughs> Is that because you were too short to ride the rides? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Funny enough, my sisters <laughs> my sisters are, are not you know much shorter than me, and uh, they were able to ride the rides, and I was like, this is a blast. Um, and I was like experiencing Disney as an adult with my with my youngest siblings, and so yeah. it was really sweet. Anyways, uh, so uh, I just remembered 
having a moment in the bathroom praying, God, if you're real, I need you to tell me where to go and I'll go there. Hmm. I got a, a text two seconds later from a girl who tried selling me her dog several years before um, via Craigslist and inviting me to this church plant. And I uh, show up the next day, hungover. As I walk out the door, I said, hey, uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I, I may, maybe I'd like to come back or, uh, you know, just thank you. Just thought I'd say thank you. And, uh, she was like, who are you? Hmm. And I was like, uh, my name is Michael Phillips. You texted me. Your name is this. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I texted the wrong Michael Phillips in my phone. I meant to text Gosh. the guy who was my chemistry partner and he asked me on a date, but I wanted to see if he'd come to church first. Hmm. And uh, so I didn't talk to her again, but two weeks later I knew they were giving out free stuff. So I came back and uh, that free thing was a, uh, a CD. That CD got stuck in my car and my radio broke. And so then for the next five months I was listening to this worship album. Um, and about a month after that, I got a call from a guy who said, Hey, I just moved here from North Carolina to help with this church plant. And I had your information card. I'd love to get coffee with you. And uh, just meet up. And I was like, I don't have any friends here because all of my friends who had to play video games with regularly uh, live in North Carolina. And mm. so we just love to get coffee and get to know you and hear your story. And I was like, well, that's totally fine. I was emptying out a storage unit at the time and uh, was, was with my, my roommate. And he was like, who's that? I was like, I don't know. Some guy wants to get coffee. He was like, you're just getting coffee with a random stranger? I was like, hey, his number says North Carolina. Seemed like a cool dude. Like, what could it hurt? Anyways, we, we go to Coppercoin, uh, rest in peace, Coppercoin in Woodstock. But uh, we meet up at Coppercoin, and I shared some of my story with him where I was at. He shared his and then just asked if I could read the Bible with him every week. Hmm. Um, in spite of my very determined view of God, uh, that we would just read through the book of John. And he asked from a place of friendship. Just hmm. like, I had a friend who was doing this with me, um, but I don't have anyone to do that with. And it, it wasn't manipulative or, or anything like that. It was just um, from a place of like, I, I know what it's like. I knew what it was like to not have a friend yeah. to have moved here from somewhere. Um, and so we decided to meet up every Wednesday and uh, read through the book of John. And he was so humble and kind. And he was mm -hmm. just like, if you, if you don't know, uh, if I don't know a question that you have, or if I don't know the answer, um, you know, I'll just say, I don't know. Maybe we can figure it out. Maybe we won't. So that just kind of began the journey that opened the door both to coming to know the Lord uh, through the book of John and um, realizing that the Jesus that was in the Bible and the picture that Christians had painted to me were two very different things. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember what was like the oh crap moment? Like were you like, do you know what I mean? Like, was there, maybe I'm just implying that, but like, was there a time where you were like reading John or at thought or after, or you're like, oh, oh, like the world that I built is not maybe the one that is or the idea? I think week after week, there's an unfolding oh. of my heart. Yeah. Of seeing the kindness of Jesus, the gentleness of his heart, and his eagerness to like draw near to people. Um, and even like I, I do specifically remember a moment in um, the wedding at Cana, this moment where uh, his mother is saying, you know, Jesus, do do something. 
Um, and he says, it's not my time yet. And I remember Wes was, was the guy I was meeting with. He presented it to me and he wasn't preaching at me. We would just read it. And then he said, what do you, what do you think about this? Yeah. And he just let the word of God speak for itself. Mm. And he had just made it really unclear that there would be areas in this, this one text. He's like, I don't know what happened here. Like, for Mary to say this and it just changed God's mind. Mm. Like Jesus saying, don't you know, it's not my time yet. Yeah. And I think the tenacity of his mother and yet the willingness of our, of our savior to step into the situation and knowing that it would bring them dishonor to be out of wine, the, the relational aspect and yet total ambiguity. I don't know. I don't know how to say how unclear, like we don't have rules on this moment in time it just became very real um so you're saying if my mother's ever asked me to do something that i didn't feel like doing jesus understands yeah or the fact that like wow, wow. like <laughs> jesus that's is a different podcast that's, that's yeah, a very yeah, different yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's the next season when we talk about ministering to mothers oh. i'm just kidding oh gosh <laughs> no I, I but like really i think it was a moment where i saw a relationship mm. happen between god and man mm didn't have rationale um, but met the needs beyond someone's honor and shame yeah. um, and coming from an Arab household and especially the military household so both Arab on one side dad being the military honor and shame was like that was the culture mm-hmm. that I was raised in and so seeing Jesus enter that space and um, cover this family through invitation of really a, a human I think that probably would have been the first moment in reading through the book of John that kind of broke down a wall of my heart and me being on the throne of my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So I'm, I'm curious, like, so in this process where you've kind of introduced, you've been introduced to the relationship of Jesus and all this kind of stuff. What happened to that worldview of like, I'm broken. Everyone's broken. The world's broken. Who cares? Well, I mean, it didn't change. It's still true, um, but there was there was hope and space to remedy that. Yeah, um, and it, it was also other needs that we talked about were slowly starting to be met. Wes and I would have then, like, I would have been over at his house regularly having dinner. Um, he just invited me into his life mm. in so many other ways too. Yeah, he had played guitar. I'd play guitar, and um, he invited me, introduced me to other other friends of his, and. I mean, I would have given my life to the Lord three months after that. As soon as I had come to terms with the fact that the resurrection was real, which is its own other conversation, and if I could not deny, um, like, because the resurrection was true, I could not deny everything else. Um, Like, it at least had to be a starting place for Mm -hmm. my beliefs. Um, Because if this happened historically, that means everything else I've, I've known or clung to is in question. Mm, yeah. Um, and so from that point on though, I, I've been, you know, we'll just fast forward two years, two years after that moment, I would have been at Wes's table watching him have his first kid, you know, moving pianos from one house to another house. And so through this relationship, not only did I come to the Lord, but, and really experience what, what we would say is discipleship. Yeah. Um, following Wes as Wes was following Jesus, you know, I also was beginning to receive home mm. for the first time as well. And so I think there was a, a faction of relationship with him 
that was with Wes that was beginning to also redefine the way I saw the father's heart. Yeah. And so um, both of those things in tandem, I think, contributed to my coming to know the Lord and a desire to pursue him and trust yeah. him. Because if I had just read the book of John by myself, surely the word of God would have spoken. Yes. Yeah. But would it have been um, transformative mm. into who I was? No, because it, it that that doesn't happen alone. Yeah. There's a need there. I, lo- I just, I love the emphasis on like, it wasn't a program or it wasn't like some, some form of anything other than a relationship that kind of brought clarity to the gospel. And even like, I I think that's just true, right? Like it's always a person, right? Um, We say, you say something every once in a while about it being more about the people you connect with than the church service. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, when we say church service. Three points of contact. Three points? What? Me? Yeah, you say something about three points of contact. Welcome to the Grace Church Game Show. Here's our trivia question for the what, day. Can you give me something else? <laughs> There's like, so you say to to get a, a family connected and like on a Sunday that needs like three points of contact of like a, a relationship, a I place am, to serve. I'm so 40. Yeah. Or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. And oh. Be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what we're. <laughs> Maybe we got off a little, a little bit there. No, no. I think you're trying to say like, hey. Uh, no, there's a study that I talk about all the time. I don't know if it has nothing to do with this. It's just that most people will stay somewhere if they have uh, seven acquaintances, one to two real friends, and something to do. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's anywhere. That's, a, yeah. that's like Home Depot yep. or the church. Like, they will they'll but stay it's, there. But it's gauged right. around. It's like more gauged around, like, relationship. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Like, Which is crazy. Yeah, and they, and they need, like... Uh, I can't just talk to you. I need something to do while I'm doing that, right? Yep. And then I can't talk to everybody at the level I'm talking to you. I need to have uh, yep. other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. They need to feel like their show, their life's the movie and other people are extras and I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so that relationship with Wes, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't stop with just discipleship, right? You were kind of thrown into a leadership role. Yes. Pretty quickly <laughs> to my understanding. Yeah, so uh, Wes was not in college. I was in college at the time. And uh, while I was in university, I was in a atheist, humanistic, agnostic group when I was not a follower of Jesus. A small group? Like a, like a club or like a no, class? I'm talking like 200 people. It was basically a church of atheists. Oh, wow. Great. <clears throat> and so I was like it's very interesting. leading this. Um, church of atheists? Church of atheists. Okay. <laughs> um, and just regularly, it was more of a, it wasn't really a debate club, but... Everybody was on one accord that we all agreed with what we didn't believe in. Let me put it that way. You knew what you were against. Yeah. You believed that. Yeah. You all believed that there was nothing to believe in. Yeah. When I read the scripture, that's like I was an enemy of him. I'm like, yeah, I was. Mm. Um, and so, uh, but then when I came to the Lord, everything changed. My, my roommate came to know him huh? shortly after. Other other roommates, other friends um, quickly uh, just the hope and joy and healing that happened in, in my heart um, was not just transformative for me, but it was just, I was surrounded by people who were, who were saying what's different about yeah. you. And so rather quickly I was you know, bringing friends to church or they would just show up because they knew what I was doing on Sunday now instead of whatever I was doing before. Yeah. Um, and 
went to a conference later that year and quickly was asked to start a campus ministry at my own campus. So I'd, I'd moved to Jacksonville and then went to like this summer leadership ministry training thing. Um, and, and came back home to, to start a campus ministry at Kennesaw. Well, as, yeah. a, as a sophomore or junior? I would have been a sophomore, we'll say. So, yeah. Sophomore. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Some classes took the back burner during this season of time. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, the student ministry started with five people. And a couple from Jacksonville came up to help us. Gotcha. And then within five weeks was like 140-something students. Wow. And students were giving their life to the Lord so quickly uh, and coming to game night. We, we are doing other things to create community. Yeah. And uh, so where they all started coming from could have been from, from different areas. We had an event that was like a Q&A event where we would just answer whatever questions people showed up to. But a good majority of the people did not grow up in church and did not believe in God before. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, I rather quickly stepped into some form of leadership and moved here to, to moved back to, to start that. And then it quickly became its own young adults ministry mm. of its own. Was there another, another question to follow up on that? Uh, no, I was just kind of curious on like that experience as a young adult ministering to young adults as we are like, the, the kind of that movement that we're kind of wanting to, to do with Grace Church is to minister to young adults, to stand in those difficult intersections of life. Yeah, I would say what I would offer from that is that in that time, I was a student reaching students. Um, but there were many moments where like Wes and Callie came on campus with us yeah, or where other people came on campus that weren't students as well. And Wes reached me as I was a student and he wasn't. Um, and I think I knew back then what I'm trying to say is that the gospel is incarnate, that Jesus left heaven for for us yeah. and entered into our space. And even now in my life, presently working with young adults, it just means crossing that distance, hmm. whatever that is. There, w- Even on campus, there are superficial will say distances between me and another individual, even though we may align on both being students, mm-hmm. different majors, different backgrounds. There are plenty of things that I could say separate us from being different, yeah. but walking across the room is really all that it, that it took. Oftentimes I'd walk around with a Frisbee and a Bible. It was a recurring joke, but um, the reality is I'd walk on campus and I would just throw a Frisbee at someone randomly and my Bible would be in my bag. Um, but just the simple fact that like they received the Frisbee and we just started playing Frisbee back and forth turned yeah. into how I met them and the conversation that we would have. Um, and so I think th- the simple effort of initiating a relationship was really all it, all it took. Yeah. Um, it was really that relational connection as mm-hmm. it was always kind of built around that no matter what you did or what uh, program you created or anything like that. It was built around what, what, creates community what kind of provides relationships to thrive and that's where you kind of saw the life change not only in other people but as yourself as you're just growing in your faith as a young believer you're just going I lived this life where everything was broken now kind of the motivation's a little bit different no longer it's Mm -hmm. selfish it's more going towards other people but it's always built around that relational connection Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Now, David, kind of as we're going into this movement of Grace Church and kind of chasing after these young adults or desiring to stand on the intersection of life right with them, like what are we doing um, to kind of allow that relational connection to kind of create that community? Yeah, I think, man, what are we doing? I think what we're trying to do, like, one, we're not experts by any means, nor are we claiming to be. No. I think for me personally, and then maybe an extension of this into our vision for our church campus right now is uh, just going, uh, there's an awareness of a need, like we talked about last time. And uh, I think for us, just the awareness of that need uh, is one, just a starting place. And then uh, a little bit more, just right on the back of what Michael just said, uh, like uh, somebody I follow besides Jesus, someone I listen to, uh, said that one of the largest, he's really big about one of the largest things that we've done as a church to kind of truncate or shorten the gospel and evangelism is that we've separated mission from discipleship. Hmm. We kind of view those differently. Yeah. And he's like, when the church puts those together, uh, there's, there's something to it. And so, uh, the gospel is, uh, missions is the good news of gospel, the gospel for the lost. Yeah. Discipleship is the good news of the gospel for the follower of Jesus. And all of that happens. And if you can clearly define the boxes that that happens in, I, I think you're wrong. Cause like, they bleed into one another. Yeah. So I think from from that perspective, we're simply saying, uh, here's this group. We want to move toward that group. So how are, first question we're answering is, how do we move toward that group? Yeah. Like, like how do we create intersections? And I don't think you can force community. No. You can't. You, uh, also, community is not the gospel, right? And so just because you find community doesn't mean you found Jesus. Yeah. It helps yeah. And to see it, right? Uh, but so I think... Uh, discipleship happens best at the intersection of uh, relationship. Yeah. And so when a follower of Jesus and somebody in the community intersect over in a relationship. So for us, and this kind of plays out in our podcast a little bit further, but we're going, what are those then relationships in which uh, we have the opportunity uh, to move toward them? Uh, things like basketball. Yeah. Um, things like coffee, uh, things like just hangout space. Um, and this is all missions has ever been. It, it's it, what people group is there? What's their culture? Yep. Where can we meet them? Yep. Uh, and how does the gospel confront them and also agree with things that they're saying? Like, mm-hmm. hey, we agree. The world's broken. We can define that differently and maybe a little bit more specifically than maybe you could articulate. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm going to push back on you. <laughs> and talked about a, a guy who rose from the dead. And you're like, what? You know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm rambling, but uh, for us as a church, we're just at the for- forefront of that. Yeah. And, and just inviting people into that and saying, yeah. look, look, here's this people group. They need Jesus. Um, I don't know how to reach them. I'm not an expert in it, uh, but I, I'm fairly certain our task as a church is to do that. What is some low-hanging fruit? Yeah. And so we've just begun... You know, I listed a couple there, but like we've just begun to go like, what is the low hanging fruit in which we can do? Yeah. And where's God? At, there's a there's a spiritual element to this too. It's like, where do we follow the Holy Spirit leading? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I'll say this, and um, uh, one of the guys who's our, our senior camp, senior 
pastor of our campuses. Uh, of all of all um, of our campuses. Yeah, of yeah. all our campuses. He uh, he uses this language, and he probably stole it from somebody else. But um, like plagiarism. No, I don't know. It's a vine. There's a, like he talks about like mining a vein. Okay. Not yeah, a yeah. vine, a vein. Yeah. Of a relationship, and so like oftentimes the most uh, people who are available to reach their friends for Jesus are people who just came to know Jesus. Yeah. And so when you find that the gospel's at work in someone and change their life, well, then I'm kind of going, who else is around them? Yeah. And what's going on over there? And so I'm just going to keep like, like you would find gold or like any kind of mineral. And be like I'm going to follow that vein yeah. until it dries up or yeah. stops. Hey, it's, there's life there. Right. How can we just help? Right. Yeah. So, and that's and then that's not us. No. And that's not us going. Oh, this person's better than the other. It's just going. God's at work here. Yep. So we're going to shift our plans that way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I look about where God has put us mm-hmm. in the slice of dirt and the slice of time that we have, um, at the end of the day, I just want to be able to answer that question faithfully uh, with the people group around us. Yeah. Like a lot of it, a lot of what we're doing isn't very prog- like programming. It's more like, hey, where are the relationships already thriving? Yeah. Especially in our in our area, right? Like it's kind of look geographical and and some of the techniques that we were like, oh, th- this might cultivate a little bit more community and relationship right. and things like that. I I think I heard it from a lady in Katie Cole. I think she heard it from somebody else that relationship uh and authenticity mm-hmm. is the new excellence. Hmm. So, like the the same way that churches were like, man, everything's got to be excellent. Yeah, and, what, and there's some truth to that, yeah. right? Like, we should probably pass a red face test on the color of the carpet and how old the food is that we're handing out and stuff like that. But like, sure. when it comes to uh, like what young adults are looking for uh, and need and lacking, and what that bridge to the gospel is. I think is that relationship when Christians uh, are anonymous to people, the gospel is ambiguous. Mm. It's not clear. Yeah. It's very like Jesus plus or something minus or he was a good guy or I don't know, or they're all hypocrites, whatever. Right. Um, And just going, where can that, uh, I know a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And they're not anything like I thought they were. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I think that's kind of what we're trying to aim at. Uh, in a place, you said programs. I would say place is the new program. Yeah. Um, if you can find a place continually to be, and invite other people into that, or better yet, put yourself into their place area. Um, I think that's the best thing you can do right now to begin in a, uh, a gospel conversation. Yeah. Familiarity and things like that, like with one another. Yeah. It, I mean, that's scary in our world. I understand. It's crazy. Um, Michael, having done all that kind of in in different contexts and a different time and things like that. Um, I'm just curious, has, is there something that as we're kind of moving towards this, that just excites you as a young adult? Mm. 
I think on on practical levels, <clears throat> knowing where we live in Kennesaw, Marietta area, and knowing what I didn't have as a student that yeah. was available to me. I think everything that's that's happening here excites me because it doesn't feel like any of those things are to serve a certain silo, if that makes sense. I think a lot of churches aim specifically at college students or specifically at, yeah. and they do these things to um, fish for a very specific group of people. Um, but there are two parts to, to every thing that's happening on our campus and in this campaign that I think really excite me is that one, it empowers someone else to do the, dis- the work of discipleship as well. Mm. Um, the fact that we have someone here who can love basketball and just show up to the hoop and play regularly with their friends. Yeah. Um, that it's just accessible to anyone and makes discipleship in relationship, I should really say, easy to execute. Yeah. It, it's not, it doesn't have to be this method or this formula. Um, the patio space, the fact that we can just show up and go there yep. and sit down and um, have a conversation with someone without having to go or maybe operate within the hours of other businesses. Yeah. I think just the simple fact that it's an accessible space for community and to commune with someone and, and have a friendship um, to me is really great because as a college student or as a young adult or as a human in the area, I have to work around everything else that's open. Yeah. Um, and so just the fact that the church like that we as a church are making space for relationship to happen. Yep. Um, to me is what is most exciting. I think is the best thing we could be doing. Um, whether we're the ones showing up to sit at the table or just setting the table for other people. Um, yeah. I would, I mean, I would agree with that because honestly, like w- as we're kind of fleshing all this out and getting really excited about it, thinking back to where I was when I was a younger adult, I mean, I'm still technically a young adult, but before I was married and had a kid and had all the freedom of like having a just a part-time job and doing whatever I wanted to, I thinking back on it was like, oh man, I was just hungry for, for a relationship. I was just hungry for someone to recognize um, that like me and my group of friends like wanted to connect somewhere. Like we had a church and they were trying to do a young adult ministry and they that's thriving now, which is great. But it's like, man, I was I was hungry for something like this, to, where it was just a space for us to come, throw the frisbee in the parking lot, play basketball, hang out, and that's so I I say that all to say, I think that's really what I'm excited for, right? Is just to see, um, the church become a gathering place, uh, for young adults just to find safety, security, and relationship kind of thing. Super excited for it. Um, as we kind of finish up this conversation, I do kind of want to ask um, how we can encourage other young adults, other uh, other adults who are no longer young adults, right? Like how can we encourage them and, and come alongside them to in, invest, to engage in this form of relationship that we're trying to cultivate? That's either of you, honestly. Do you want to go first? I can. Um, I would just say that you're not alone and that there, that 
that's what I would probably start with. And I know it sounds super cliche, but given all of the different needs that we've talked about, um, the and not from a place of like providing, hey, I understand, um, but hey, there there are people willing to sit with you in yeah. this um, is needed, and is a great place to start um, in any conversation with anyone's pain or anyone's lack for these needs. Um, I think just being able to sit with them in it and say um, that there's a person who's willing to just walk with you, mm-hmm. walk alongside is something that I think I've seen done well here. Um, it's just a part of our church culture. Um, but I think is also something that is a starting place for everything that we're already doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'd say two things. Like yeah. I'm talking to, who am I talking to? Young adults? Young and adults and a s- more like established adults like on beyond that time frame. On how they might uh, engage with uh, okay. the kind of the movement of wanting to build that relationship with young adults. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit like I landed, landed last week or whenever we talked. Um, the, uh, I think looking around in your life and saying where are the young adults mm-hmm. and maybe toward what Michael said like where are the pain points because the the yeah. pain is where like the gospel gets in um yeah uh and uh if i was talking to other followers of jesus i think the the largest thing i would say is you got to make some margin yeah if you don't have margin in your life um for sharing the gospel mm. and sharing your home and sharing your time yeah uh if it's full, uh, that's a that's an obstacle. To you. You'll just want to share the gospel, and you'll like hope that it happens. Uh, the the biblical principle behind this, and maybe I'll stop talking after that because you asked a pastor a question, so that's a problem. But Sorry. like the like in the Old Testament, and this is this is goes into pov- like poverty and care for the poor, which is totally God's heart. But uh, they were they were told, hey, don't plow the corners of your fields mm. because uh, there are people who are poor who need that and let them come and, and glean from it and uh, I think there's a 100% a connection to today when it comes to generosity yeah. and, and how we treat the poor but I think there's a spiritual uh, analogy that could be made from that as well and when it comes to just anything else with our time it's like uh, where am I not utilizing all of my time for myself where am I not utilizing all my finances for myself Mm. where am I not utilizing all of my meals or all of my travel time or all of my like fill in the blank right family Um, am I creating margin for people who are starving spiritually Mm. from God to to be enter in and have room yeah Um, the number one uh, thing that people can pick up on, I feel like, uh, is whether or not you have time for them. Yeah. Like people know, they know when you're, you know, when someone's brushing you off, you know, when they're like just trying to get you out of the way or move or, you know, when it's like, yeah, okay. Um, but when someone actually has time, I think that speaks volumes in that way. So, um, long answer for a short question, but I would say, make some space and begin to pray. That's awesome. Sounds really good.
Hey, thank you so much for listening. For more information about how we're doing this as a campus, you can check us out online at towncenter.gracechurches.org slash EO3. Our prayer is that whatever moment you're in, you know that God can use you. We'll see you next time.